Listen to it fizz. Alka-Seltzer for headaches. Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion. Alka-Seltzer for cold distress. Alka-Seltzer presents The Quiz Kid. Attention, Quiz Kids. Listen carefully to your first question. Diego Rivera sounds like a nice vacation spot, but why is it not listed in any travel folder? Now, there's a question with a catch to it, and I wonder how many of you folks can figure out the answer. Well, we'll soon hear what the youngsters here in school have to say. For here they are, the quiz kids, and the chief quizzer himself, Joe Kelly! Franklin Ferguson, and hello, everyone. As usual, we're happy to welcome all you folks to radio's famous classroom of the air. And before I start asking questions, I would like to answer one. Do the quiz kids know what questions are to be asked? No, they absolutely do not. They don't even know what subjects are to come up for discussion. And now, let's meet the pupils here in school this afternoon. Are you ready for roll call, children? Fine, here we go. First, our cheerful young Irishman, Patrick. I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 11 years old and in a 7-8th, 4th Dearborn School in Chicago. Next, we're happy to welcome back to school blonde and pretty Rennie. I'm Rennie Templeton. I'm 13 years old and in ninth grade at U-High. And here's a young man who can usually be found near a piano, Lonnie. I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 13 years old and in the 8th grade at Lincoln School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Now, meet our representative from the very young generation, little Melvin. I'm Melvin Myers. I'm five years old. I go, I go to kindergarten in Norwood Park School. And here's a newcomer to school, a cute little brunette, Marjorie. I'm Marjorie Carlson. I'm nine years old. I go to St. Paul School. Yes, there's our lineup, our winners of two weeks ago, and Rennie and Marjorie. Now then, let's see what we can do with that first question quiz, kids, from Weedy Vernempt of New Orleans, Louisiana. Diego Rivera sounds like a nice vacation spot, but why is it not listed in any travel folder? Now we have two hands up, and Pat's hand was first. Well, that sounds like a name of an explorer. An explorer, you say. Well, let's see what Lonnie has to say. I believe Diego Rivera was an explorer of some sort. I I believe he was one of the men uh, who's uh, branched out from Ponce de Leon's party to Florida. No, now, wait a minute. No, you're both wrong on this very first one. Yes, sirree. Do you give up on this one? Well, Diego Rivera is a famous Mexican painter. Oh. (laughs) Yes, sir, a genuine Mexican folk painter. Well, kids, you missed that first one. Yeah, that means that, uh, uh, that, uh, Weedy, uh, let's see, what was that name? Uh, Weedy, um... I had it around here someplace. It does beat all how these names get away from me. Weedy Vernempt of New Orleans, Louisiana, wins one of the big Alka-Seltzer, uh, I mean one of the big Zenith radio phonograph combinations from the makers of Alka-Seltzer for stumping you kids. Now, Clara Epstein of New York City hopes to stump you children with her question because if she does, she will receive one of those magnificent Zenith radio phonograph combinations the set with the two Cobra tone arms, one for regular playing records, and one for the new long-playing records and two FM bands. So, on your toes, quiz kids, here's the question. Many common words which we use every day have interesting meanings of their own if we took them literally. 
Do any of you know what the word babushka means? Melvin. Well, uh, that could also... That, um, that's your grandmother in Polish. <laughs> that's right, Melvin. And that's also something that you wear on your head. That's right. Good boy. Nice boy. <laughs> Now, the animal gopher has an interesting name. Do any of you know what the name gopher means? Melvin? I think that's some kind of an animal. Well, yes, you're right on that score, uh, Lonnie. Well, a gopher, in the way we normally use it, is a small uh, animal yes. found in the United States that... Uh, I think it's a rodent. And it, uh, it tunnels uh, under yeah, the it ground. Yeah, digs under the ground like a prairie dog. Uh-huh. Very harmful to crops in some parts of the country. Well, uh, now, are we all through this? Land sakes alive, are we giving the big zenith away this afternoon? Well, the uh, gopher, uh, it comes from the French word meaning honeycomb or uh, waffle. It gets its name from the way it tunnels. Uh, its tunnels go in every direction like a, a honeycomb. Well, <laughs> I guess Clara Epstein is tickled to death that you missed her question, for that gives her the big zenith radio phonograph combination, which is always the reward when you kids miss a question. Now, this question comes from Stokes McCauley of Buffalo, New York. A miller and a tailor stood near a hill admiring the new look in bridges when suddenly that structure greeted them with a howdy, folks. Where might this have taken place? Pat? Well, that might have taken place in the Senate um, because there was a Senator Bridges, That's right. a Senator Taylor, and yes. a Senator Miller. And uh, it might have very well taken uh, place in the Senate. And how about the Hill part, Rennie? And the Senator well, Hill of Alabama. Lister Hill is the name. Well, of where? Alabama. Alabama, that's right. Lister Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Rennie, what were you going to say? The Hill, in Washington terminology, that means the capital as it's built on a rather a mound. That's right. That's, that's very, very good, hill. Rennie. Very good. Now, here's a Bible question from Lucy Stone of Alhambra, California. Can you kids explain the instances in the Bible when each of these unusual events took place? The first one, on what occasion did a rod bring forth buds, blossomed, and yielded almonds? Patrick? Well, I know that Moses used his rod when he tried to feel the Hebrews from Egypt. Well... Uh, in this particular case, I don't think Moses' rod blossomed and brought forth buds. Uh, Lonnie? Well, David mentioned uh, rods in, his, in his, some of his psalms, including the 23rd psalm. It could have been one of his. Well. Pertaining to David. Uh, Marjorie? Wasn't that when uh, Mary, Mary asked God to show a sign by when Joseph's rod... Uh, um, came forth and budded? No, no, I'm sorry, honey. It was, uh, it was Aaron's rod that blossomed to rebuke the children of Israel. Well, I'll see what we can do with the second part. When did an axe head float in the water? Pat? Well, I know that was in the New Testament. And, uh, I think it was one of Jesus' miracles. No, uh, no, you're, uh, you're in the wrong Testament, Pat. Uh, Marjorie? That was when uh, a man came to Elisha and he had borrowed a, an axe and, um, and, he, and he had dropped it in the river and Elisha made it float on the water. That's right, honey. That's, that's correct. Yes. Well, 
we have another miss, the first part of the question, and that means that Lucy Stone of Alhambra, California, wins one of the big Zenith radio phonograph combinations from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. Now, we'll go right along with this question session in just a minute. During that minute, Franklin Ferguson asks... How many of you folks pushed back from that big Sunday dinner wishing you hadn't eaten so much? Well, when the result of too much food is acid indigestion, be wise. Alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Yes, that's right. The way to fast, dependable relief from acid indigestion is Alka-Seltzer. Just dissolve one or two Alka-Seltzer tablets in a glass of water, then drink it. And say, just notice how even the sparkle of those dancing bubbles there in your glass almost makes you feel better. And when you drink this refreshing glass of Alka-Seltzer, ah, what a difference it can make in the way you feel. Yes, Alka-Seltzer can reduce gastric hyperacidity quickly and effectively. It leaves a clean, fresh taste in the mouth and a comfortable feeling in the stomach. Get Alka-Seltzer at any drugstore. And then remember, for acid indigestion, be wise. Alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Now, kids, this next question from the Alka-Seltzer question box is a very special one. We have the honor of having a distinguished guest in our classroom today, and I shall let him ask his own question. It is my pleasure to present the associate conductor of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, Mr. Tano Hanakainen. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. I am enjoying this visit to your classroom very much. I listen quite often to your programs, and I have been glad to note that a good many quiz kids are interested in music. In fact, two of your younger children, one of seven years, one nine years old, played with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra this season as soloists in my young people's programs. Now, as you might guess, my question is about symphonies. This is rather a stiff test I have prepared. First, I would like to ask your guest cellist, Mr. Dumoulin, to play a few bars of symphonic music. And then I'd like to see if you children can identify the symphony. René was first. I believe that that is the, uh, it's the same, pardon me, it's the theme, it's the symphony that was later popularized into uh, Song of Love. I'm trying to think who wrote it, though. It slipped my mind. I'm sorry. No, I don't. Uh, Lonnie? That's the opening bars of Schubert's Symphony No. 8 in B minor, the unfinished symphony. That is correct. Now, the next part is more difficult. I'll ask Mr. Dumoulin to play a few bars from another symphony, and you are to identify not only the symphony, but tell exactly which movement it is from. That's from the third movement of Brahms Symphony No. 3 in F major. That is correct. I think it was very fine. I'm really surprised. I hope you continue to appreciate music. 
Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for inviting me to visit your classroom. Well, I'm sure we've all enjoyed having you with us, Mr. Hanekainen. Uh, I thought your question was very interesting, and I want to thank you for being our guest today. Uh, but uh, just a minute. Uh, uh, don't leave the microphone yet, please. I, uh, I have a little something cooked up here in my mind that will come as a complete surprise to you as well as to Lonnie. <laughs> several of the children, including Lonnie, have proved several times on this program that they have a wide knowledge of symphonic music, and I wonder whether I could get your cooperation, since you are a real expert, on finding out just how wide that knowledge is. Now, what I would like to do is to have Lonnie come down to the piano and uh, then have you try to stump him by calling for any movement from any symphony done by the old masters, and we'll see whether Lonnie can pick out enough of it on the piano to prove to you that he is familiar with the main theme. Are you game, Lonnie? Yeah, it's okay with me. <laughs> is that all right with you, Mr. Hanekainen? So he'll play anything but I... Well, I'll ask him to play. I, I say he'll, he'll try. He'll try. Yes. <laughs> How about uh, the G minor symphony uh, by Mozart, the first moment? That's wonderful. Very good. <laughs> Would you like to try Lonnie on another one? Um, let's say the first, the first opening of uh, Beethoven's Eighth Symphony. Uh, just a minute. In I, uh, F. Oh, wait a minute. I, uh, I know it so well. Just a minute. <laughs> That's a symphony in F major. Uh, just uh, two bars, if you... Just the first two bars. Well, supposing we try another one... Uh, just a minute. I, I could think of that in just a minute. I could, uh, I could play the second theme. I've, uh... Well, maybe that'll help you get into the first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right, now, can you go back? C is the first note. C? C. What a note... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. I, I certainly am proud of you, Lonnie, and thank you again, Mr. Hanekainen. We have certainly enjoyed your visit very, very much. On this question from Mrs. R. Camp of Chicago, Illinois, is about fact and legend. The fact part is that a robin's breast is red. And can any of you children tell the legend of how the robin's breast became red? Melvin? Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Well, when uh, Jesus was crucified on the cross, one of these robins were coming by and wanted to wipe off Jesus' forehead when it was... Uh, Sweating, I'll say. <laughs> and um, by mistake, it got a little—it got a little blood on its breast, and that's how it got created. That's, that's very, nice. very good, Melvin. Very good. <laughs> now, this current events question is from Mrs. F. D. Young of Warrington, Florida. Kids. Can
Can you identify these figures that appeared in the news this past week? One, oh, oh, eight. Rennie. That would be 1,008 hours and one second. That was the record flight set in the air by Bill Barris and Dick Riedel in their endurance flight. That's absolutely right. Good girl. I, uh, I guess you could go uh, 120,000 miles in a plane like that in that length of time or four times around the world. I think that's very, very interesting. Uh, how about this next one? Uh, four, two, three. Rennie. Well, I... At that point, my personal feelings enter into it, if you mean the two, is spelled T-O. It, it would is, be so... a, ga- a game that was lost up at Wrigley Field yesterday on a disputed home run. All right. Uh, the ball was hit out to Andy Pafka when there were two down in the last of the ninth and one man on. The score happened to be uh, three, to, uh, three to two in favor of the Cubs. And if, Ann, if Pafko had caught the ball, as he thought he did, the game would have been over. But umpire Bark uh, said that he trapped the ball. That is, he got his glove down over the ball and scooped it up off the ground instead of catching it. Now, if that's so, he just... Well, Pafko didn't know that was so. It kind of stunned him, I guess. And so he just walked in with the ball while the two runs scored on an inside-the-park homer. And the Cubs can't appeal that because of Rule 56 in the rule book, oh. which states that if... <laughs> Which states that if a play is based, a disputed play is based on an umpire's decision, they can't appeal it. But if it's based on something in the rules that the umpire overlooked, they can appeal it. Yeah, I know. Old 56 is really a strict one. Yes, uh uh-huh. Well, good girl, Rennie. You, uh, you didn't leave anything unsaid. I'll, uh, I'll say that. That was my team. <laughs> All right, Mrs. H.O. Werner of Lincoln, Nebraska, sends in this question about some characters in fairy stories I don't think you kids would envy. Who was so ugly a dog wouldn't even bite him? Patrick. Well, wasn't that the ugly duckling? The ugly duckling, correct. Who wanted to hide his ears because they were as big as a donkey's? Lonnie? That was uh, Pinocchio and other boys who went to the uh, land of boobies in the book Pinocchio by Collodi. That's right. Melvin, what were you going to say? I was going to say the same thing, Mr. Kelly. All right. Well, I just wanted to double check. Yeah. And now, here's Franklin Ferguson again. This time, he has a word for you folks who have never tried Alka-Seltzer for relief from headaches. That's right, Joe. But you left out the word fast, and that's very important. Now, many of you take Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion and for relief from the ache-all-over feverish feeling of a cold. But how about headaches? Alka-Seltzer is equally as effective in relieving this distress, you know. Yes, we believe you'll be delighted with the way it can relieve the pain of a headache, and with its amazing speed, too. You see, a glass of sparkling Alka-Seltzer contains one of the world's most effective pain relievers, sodium acetyl salicylate. And because of its effervescent base, yes, because of that familiar fizz, Alka-Seltzer gets there fast to give fast relief from the distress of a headache. Keep taking Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion and the feverish aching of a cold, and now try it for headaches, too. You'll find this one product, Alka-Seltzer, so good for all of these common ailments that you'll never want to be without it in your home. Well, here's a fun question from M.R. Ahern of Chicago. Now, keeping in mind what made the following people famous, you children are to tell what railroad accommodations might be appropriate for each. First, in what kind of a car would you find Rip Van Winkle? Pat. In a Pullman car, in a sleeping car. A sleeper, yeah, that's right. In what kind of a car would you find John L. Lewis? 
Lonnie. Well, John L. Lewis is the labor leader. Uh... And so, um... Rennie. Coal car. A coal car, that's right. And uh, how about Jack Frost? Pat. Well, a nice uh, refrigerator car. Refrigerator car. Refrigerated car, that's right. Now for this next question, Quiz Kids. Mrs. Glenn Newton of Grand Rapids, Michigan, wants you to name a band leader whose first or last name is a color. A band leader. Lonnie. Well, there, uh, one of them could be Blue Baron. Blue Baron, that's very good. Can we think of any others? There are a lot of them. A band leader whose first or last name is a I imagine there are a, a lot color. of reds. What? I imagine there are quite a few reds. Can you name one? I can't think of one offhand. All right. Any more? I only ask you to name one. You've given me that. I thought we might have a couple more for good measure. Well, there's Glenn Gray. There's Les Brown. Uh, Johnny Green. Paul Whiteman. Red Ingle, there's a red for you, Lonnie, and uh, Frank Black, and there are quite a few others. Now, since there will not be any more, or uh, many more weeks of school, kids, Mrs. Catherine Cross of St. Paul, Minnesota, wonders if you children will be glad or sorry to have school end. Rennie? Well, I look at it this way. I'd be pretty sorry if it weren't for school, because I think that it furnishes you with, besides a lot of things that are necessary in life, a lot of pleasure. But as long as I have the assurance it's going to start again in the fall, I'm just as glad to get out in the spring. <laughs> well, all right. Lonnie? Well, I'm, I'm always glad to leave school in the spring. I enjoy summer vacation a lot, but this year it's kind of different, because I'm leaving grammar school this year, and going to high school, and it's, it's a little different. It's not that I don't mind getting the summer vacation, but I, it, it would be different if I was going back to another year of grammar school. I hope I'm not. And, <laughs> well, I hope you get your so hope, Lonnie. I'm looking at it a little bit differently this year. Uh-huh. And Patrick? Well, uh, I, I have a two-sided view, too. First, uh, I like to go because you can sleep uh, for two whole months in the morning, with a few exceptions, of course. Without even getting up, and you can sleep till 12 or, 13, or 1 or something. 12 uh, or 13, you were going yeah, to say. Yeah, 13. That's, that's the way I usually sleep. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, you, you, uh, you'll miss your friends and uh, possibly your teachers while you were on your vacation. Possibly, yeah. Uh-huh. But altogether, I, I am uh, kind of sorry to go. Uh-huh. Marjorie? I- I'll be glad to get out of school because I've got a couple that offered me a... Um, to come to their home for two months down in Delaware, and I can go to the movies for three, uh, two or three times a week, and go to and go swimming and everything. Well, say now, that's really a deal, isn't it? Yes. And uh, Melvin. Well, I'll be <coughs> glad, and uh, in other words, I won't be because I like my teacher, and I like I won't want to miss her. And but uh, that's why I don't wouldn't. Uh, Want to stay home? I see you. And one, and here's the reason why I do want to stay home. Oh, I see. I uh-huh. all right. <laughs> I've got swings. I've got some swings up. I've got a whole gym set up that my dad uh, just put up the swings. And I'm having so much fun at them. You got that in the backyard? Goggles. Yes, I've got some pair of uh, airplane flyer goggles, and uh, oh, I you always put those play on airplane on there. Well, say, now, that must be just fine and dandy. You put the goggles on before you get on the swing. Is that the idea? Yes. And then you pretend you're way up in the in an airplane? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Well, what do you know about that? Yeah, Melvin, the old flyer. Yes. <laughs> All right, kids. 
Well, let's see what our next question is. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Sarah Robertson of San Francisco would like to get some information from you quiz kids if she can. She says that uh, she couldn't tell the difference between a cottontail rabbit, a hare, a marsh rabbit, the Arctic hare, an antelope jack, or a jackrabbit if she had to. And she wonders if there really is any difference. Bonnie? Well, there's a difference between some of them, but I, I'm not sure about some of them. But I know there's a difference between a cottontail rabbit, a, a hare, and an ar- arctic rabbit. Yeah. Um, well. I don't know about the others. It seems to me that uh, maybe the common jackrabbit and uh, the uh, uh, hare might be the same, but I'm not sure. I'm sure that the other three are... Well, let's see. Now, we have uh, some other hands up here. Maybe we can clear this up uh, for Mrs. Robertson. Uh, Marjorie? Well, there's a great difference. The Arctic hare, he never never changes his coat of white because it's so cold up in the Arctic. And then the antelope jack, he he has a a funny way of signaling. He has a a sort of goldish um, on his back and a white on his stomach, and he can fly signals by drawing up the muscles. And then the... The marsh rabbit, he, he likes very much to swim, and no other rabbits do. And the cottontail rabbit, he has a, he has a pretty, pretty much a different coat, and, he, and his babies are born with, uh, their eyes are closed, and they don't have any uh, uh, hair on them. And the hare's rabbits, his babies are born with their eyes open and a coat of fur on them. And then the, let me see now. What other one did you say? Well, I guess we've taken care of all of them now. <laughs> Certainly have. That was really wonderful for a little nine-year-old girl. Now, Mrs. A. Collins of New York is a great reader of mystery stories, and she wonders how you feel about the modern mystery stories in comparison to the old Sherlock Holmes stories of Conan Doyle. So suppose you select any modern mystery story writer and compare him to Conan Doyle. Rennie? Well, it seems to me that the modern stories tend uh, a little bit more to... I don't know... What you'd call a little more to f- follow the others. Follow, I think that Acon and Doyle started something. He started Sherlock Holmes. He started the idea of a, what you call it, super sleuth. And there's has been a trend towards that. And quite a few that are more or less copied. Well, really, do you, you have say, uh, any I think particular it, modern uh, writer in mind? Uh... Well, I think probably the... Modern writer, it's most wide. I don't know about figures on this, but the one that's probably most widely read, Earl Stanley Gardner. Uh-huh. And his, I don't know, his, his stories follow, I think, pretty much he has the idea of a detective who, who does most of the uh, work himself, does most of the footwork and the observation and deduction <laughs> technique. But I don't know, maybe I'm prejudiced, but I, I still like the way the Sherlock Holmes stories are written. All right, thank you, Rennie. Well, we'll have to stop right here, quiz kids, yes? The old school bell means that it's time for the judges to get busy on your report cards. They're going to take your age into consideration as well as the number of correct answers you gave in figuring out your grades. And while we give them a minute to do that, here's an important message. At 7, at 12, at 6, mealtime in America and vitamin time. Yes, put that one-a-day brand multiple vitamin bottle on the table and see to it that every member of your family takes a one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsule. Don't take chances. 
Government surveys show that the meals of three out of four persons are short on vitamins. So don't take chances that your daily diet is short on essential vitamins. Be on the safe side. Take one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. Sixty capsules, only $2. Remember, mealtime is vitamin time. Take one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. All right now, children, here's the report of the judges on today's competitive question session. But let me remind you, whether you win or lose, you will each receive a $100 savings bond from the makers of Alka-Seltzer to help you with your future education. Now, let's see. The judges say that as a class, you missed uh, three questions this afternoon. Melvin was first, Patrick second... And Rennie and Lonnie tied for third. So we see you four back in school next week, along with David Prohaska, age 12. Now, we're planning a special Mother's Day program for next Sunday, friends, so you plan on being here in our classroom of the air to enjoy it, won't you? Fine. Until next Sunday, then, this is Joe Kelly dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Mr. Kelly. Bye. Listen to the Quiz Kids every week and listen to Alka-Seltzer's News of the World every Monday through Friday on most of these NBC stations. This is Franklin Ferguson speaking. <laughs>